2: So for the first time in, I don't know how many months, Celtic are no longer top of the SBF table after dropping more points at the weekend with a 1-1 draw against Kilmarnock. Welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown. of here alongside James and Alan as always. Guys, this is a moment that we probably may have predicted over the last number of weeks. James, you in particular were saying that the league was a coin toss. It looks like it is falling fallen in, in Rangers' favour this weekend. It could flip next weekend, who knows? But we're gonna dive into this game and Alan, I know you're just finished rewatching the game for your sins. And I mean, like, how bad was it on second watch? Because it was it was pretty bad on first watch.
3: Yeah, I'd kind of achieved, you know, a baseline level of cheerfulness <laughs> before I started watching the second half this morning and capturing all the data for it. But uh yeah, but as I say, a bit of PTSD <laughs> kicks in there from the weekend. Um, yeah, listen, for me, fundamentally, it was a failure of game management. And what we talked about over the last couple of weeks was that look, we're not we're not going to suddenly, you know, dev, you know, acquire five or six quality players. Therefore, this is what it is. So, they need to find a way to win games. And you know, for me. You're eighty five minutes into the game. You're 1-0 up at home to Kilmarnock. They're a reasonable side. You just close the game down. It's as simple as that. You just accept the fact you've not been great. You you ignore any grumblings from the crowd, and you simply see the game out. And, you know, what was alarming was that it was the senior players that were panicking in the final moments. Um, you know, heart heart flapping at the ball. O'Reilly thrashing long through balls when he had acres of time in central midfield. McGregor hoofing the ball up in the air with no one near him. Uh, the worst was actually uh, just before they they, um, they scored was McGregor had the ball in you know wide right of, of their box and he tries a really difficult cross into the box. I mean that was criminal. You know at, at that point in the game the captain should just be. Taking the ball into the corner with Kuhn or whoever, and just basically seeing out the game because you know it's obvious this is look this is a team apart from that finished the game with with essentially eight reserves right we've got eight reserves on the pitch that's really what it is so you take the three points and you you move on and that, and and then we failed to see the game out even you know the goal was conceded Yang trying to dribble beat do a Maradona into the box in you know two minutes into you just don't do that, right? You know, they might have felt pressure from the crowd about not getting the ball forward quickly. But, you know, this was a classic case of you know any any notion that the players weren't trying hard enough or giving a hundred percent is absolute bollocks. In fact the problem here is the opposite, is that the players were so seemed to be so nervous and so wound up that they were rushing everything, they were panicking and they were they were trying almost trying too hard, if you can put it that way. And the decision making therefore goes in that instance. And when your three most senior pros, or your the three players who you would argue are the only three first picks that are on the field are panicking in the last five minutes, then what chance does the rest of the rest of the eight reserves have? So it was a fit to me, the game was there, they were one nil up, they just had to see it out, and, and they failed to do so, and quite on a, on a number of occasions failed to do so. Um, and that's the that's the thing that's alarming because as as we said, you've just got to get the three points at this stage. I don't really care how we, what the XG looks like at the end of the game as long as we got the three points.
2: I had put Yang and Kun's performance to the back of my mind in a safe space that I was never going to open again before you mentioned them there, and it, it immediately had flashbacks. So uh, I don't I, I don't I don't want to speak about their performances in in the game. Um speaking after the game, Brendan Rodgers... I mean, it's such a weird response from a manager who's been there almost a year now. So he said that, you know, there's been too many mishaps throughout the season. So he says he's not surprised. It was the same at Kilmarnock when we were ahead in the game. We got pegged back and ended up losing. There's been others where we haven't been able to produce the level of performance. So I can't say I'm surprised. That's my honest answer. Uh, James, I would put this to you that he's the manager. I mean, like... Like we 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 will talk about the players and the players are important and the standard of players we have on the on the pitch are important. But as I said before on the show for a number of weeks, he's a manager. He's responsible for this team. And if the level of performances aren't there and if the players aren't able to uh, see out the game in the way that he would like them to, that's something he should probably be working on on the training pitch.
4: Yeah, I thought the the game and the performance was a. Uh, unfortunate manifestation of some of the trends that I've been concerned about and and referencing over the last few weeks. And I think, I agree with Alan, in in isolation relative to winning these three points, game management was a central problem. But I think if you kind of pull back a little bit, the fact that we need to be game managing to that extent at home to Kilmarnock, speaks to um you know why i was arguing that i wanted or i thought rogers needed to be more you know quote-unquote radical in addressing some of the structural problems in the, squ- the squad and and how he's setting them up and using them uh and i suspect we'll get into some of that as we um progress here but yeah so i you know just just from a and 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 i you know, it's hard to de- decompose the exact catalyst, but there's no question, you know, correlation versus causation, but the, the substitutions around the hour mark was the beginning of the end, so to speak. I mean, from that point going forward, it was, um, you know, you, you wouldn't really have been able to figure out which team had a supposed vast superiority in talent levels and resources. and you know, had won the vast majority of the domestic trophies in the prior decade. I mean, it was, it was alarming. Uh, just, just, you know, just in isolation. Like if you put that last half hour in a clip and gave it to someone who doesn't know anything about the two sides, I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, and that's kind of where we're at. And and so I agree with that. Like it, Given all of that context, man, it would have been nice just to see it out. But I, I don't think I think that's just delaying the inevitable, unless some of these other issues are addressed. Because we basically we're going we're going to end up replaying that movie. You know, it's going to be like Memento. You, see, you guys remember that movie? We're, <laughs> we're going to wake up every day and and you know have no memory and just try the same crap again. And you know, it, it, it's. Um, So I I think that's what's ultimately has to happen here. If we have a reasonable shot at winning the league and we can do everything right at this point. And just because of, you know, luck and variance and all the stuff that we talk about, we might still lose the league. (laughs) Um, So I I think on a kind of an analogy basis, it's not the same things are a lot different, but you know, from a timeline perspective, I think we're kind of in like mid to late December, 2020. Like I think, I think, you know, like at that point, if Lennon had, Really committed to making changes and stuck with them, and and I tweeted about this this week. And we had not made the moronic decision to go to Dubai. I actually think theoretically that league could have been competitive, you know, for most of the rest of the season. Um, but you know, I, I, I think we need to make significant changes here, uh, not just tweaks. Not you know, not not putting in a wada. Uh, and moving McGregor forward, like I, we're so far beyond that. I, I think, uh, as far as addressing some of these issues, um, that's my view anyway. That's my analysis. So,
2: well, let's talk about the midfield for a second, Alan, because you pointed this out as well, and it, it sort of goes with what James had pointed out before the game in the way the Kilmarnock press, in that it's in very short bursts, and then they they fall back into a sort of a mid block as opposed to a low block. And that really did cause Celtic a lot of issues playing out from the back. But I think there's more than just the defense to blame here. I think there's more than just the sort of the the ponderous nature, or maybe there's not. It's it's very difficult to, to judge, especially when you're just watching on the, on the TV and you can't see the entire game and see the movement of all the players. But to me, the one thing that stood out was that when the likes of the fullbacks got the ball, the centre-back was on, there was one midfielder giving an option, and then their entirety of the midfield was this empty gap of space that there seemed to be nobody filling in order to get on the ball and break the press. And it seemed like, honestly, a pretty rudimentary press to be able to get out of if we had the players capable of doing it. So I'm interested to get your thoughts on why Celtic were incapable of getting out, firstly, or even just not inviting that pressure on in the first place because, I mean, that that really, really was what made it look like Kilmarnock were the dominant team was. That's how they couldn't get out. They couldn't get out of their
3: defence. That was true more in the second half when they did push forward more aggressively. Um So, you know, the Plomarnock under McIn- McInnes' teams generally play a man-to-man, and and they did so here. Vassal was on McGregor, and and the, the you know Donnelly and polworth were were following the other midfielders around uh, for for the whole game. So you know we're used to playing against this system. Um, it's actually a relatively easy system to break down if you're the better team because you've got the more technical players, and that means you've probably got a better players that see the game quicker, move the ball quicker. Can hit the ball at speed and have got a better first touch, and that's how you break down man to man. And then you have you need to have movement, you need to have runners off that. So, uh, and and then once you've disrupted it, the whole thing can collapse very very easily. Um, and actually, in the first half, um, the best moments of play from Celtic were when McGregor, uh, and especially Kyogo Ida dropped, and and and, were, and we linked up and tried to play through the middle, and, and that was actually Celtic's best best moments were, were through those um you know central incursions if you like playing through that man to man marking um it's it's very difficult you know to judge in terms of you know are the midfielders moving uh where they open or not because you can look like you're not open if you're not being passed to but if you're playing man-to-man and you're playing against a reasonably competent professional side, which Kilmarnock are, you've got reasonably competent and and uh, athletic uh, players, which they do, then you're not going to have a player standing in 20 acres of space. It's just not going to happen. Okay, So you have to be brave in your passing and in your um, selection of that pass. You, you're going to have to give the ball to somebody who appears to be marked. And that's where the skill comes in. That's where an O'Reilly will will have that first touch to bring it under control. And then is some is there then somebody who's timing the run off him so that he can easily then dink it in. And that's what what's really what you're looking for. Um, now you know McGregor and and, o, and O'Reilly. You know who I've just criticised there in terms of their inability. You know they're, they're seeming to panic and not look after the ball in those final five minutes. And um, we've also got to remember. Have played virtually every minute of every game, and are the only players to do so. They're being absolutely frogged to death. As I say, we had eight reserves on the pitch at the end. They're having to be the sort of senior pros, if you like, that manage the game through. So I'm a bit reticent about criticising them in the round on in that on that basis. Also, I do know that both of them are generally uh, very good at uh, you know getting on the ball and and making that movement. So you tend to want to probably then look back and and, we're, and our, that reserve back line. With, with Greg Taylor, probably an honourable uh, exception to this when he, in the 60 minutes that he was able to play. But the, the other three, um, if you're just not quite quick enough in moving that ball forward, you can make that press look really effective and you can make your midfielders and wingers look really bad because you're just simply not... You're not brave enough in your passing, or you're not quick enough to see that fraction of a second when O'Reilly has got on the half turn, and he's and 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 that that gets closed down almost immediately. So if you're not fast enough moving the ball, that that avenue can be can be closed. Um, so I think you know we 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 know in general O'Reilly and McGregor the quality that they have, but we also know that in the back line. We do have a problem in terms of the speed and and of thought and movement uh, in terms of moving that ball forward. And as I say, I think again, I can't remember who it was on Twitter and apologies that that, that ruled out the the Marcelo Bielsa quote that if you if you're failing to create chances and you're failing to create anything in the final third, don't necessarily look at your 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 attackers. Uh, he, he he starts looking at his def- his centre backs basically um, because often. Good chances come from moving the ball quickly and then building on an unsettled defence. And if you're not moving it quick enough to begin with, then that that doesn't happen. And that all starts from the back. The two centre backs are the players that dominate the ball the most. They're the ones who have the most possession and and uh, you complete the most passes. So, listen, you know, as I said, we're playing a reserve back for at the end of the end of the game, and so you know, God bless them, they're doing their best. But you know, I think a lot of the problem stems from there.
2: Yeah. And I think like, obviously this is a a different standard of play that I'm talking about here. So uh, I think it still relates, but in a different way, obviously I've, I've experienced this where, you know, you're playing for the first team in your uh, local football team, you get sent down to train with the reserves or you're in there as an extra man uh, with the reserves to sort of, you know, bulk it up a little bit. And you're being man marked by one of those players. Suddenly you realize that people aren't giving you the ball even though you're free like they they can see you, but they see men around you and they think that you're not willing to take on the ball that you know that you don't have space to take it, but a lot of the time you do and you're looking for the ball, but they just won't give it to you because they're not either not capable or they're not brave enough to do it or they're not seeing you in time and by the time they actually do give it, you, the space has gone so I think that is sort of what's happening with Celtic at the minute in that you know O'Reilly's making runs. You'd imagine Cal McGregor's making runs. We're still probably missing that third person to do so. They're dropping into pockets. Maybe that's what Kyogo in the number ten role is supposed to be. And as you said, it worked for a brief period of time. But they're not getting it. And I just wonder, James, is this is it is it lack of ability or is it lack of bravery? Because I suppose it's impossible to know this. But you'd imagine that this is one of the things that Brendan Rodgers is trying to hammer hammer home is that, and I think he said it before in that there was too much negativity in our passing and you end up just getting pinned back and pinned back. And eventually you're playing on a double-edged sword there. You're going to either mess up your pass or you're going to um, give the ball back to the opposition or you're going to get turned over in your own half. And it's a dangerous game that Celtic are playing. That's beyond me that at home against Kilmarnock, we're talking about maybe we should just be getting the ball forward quicker because I mean Celtic should be dominating possession and always have a free man. It shouldn't be a situation where, uh, this is where we're absolutely panicking and we're kicking the ball out for a throw because we've just got pressed in.
4: This is why what you describe is why there's, there's two kind of, um, categories that I look for when I do my dopey, uh, benchmarking, uh, exercise when we sign new players and they're they're basically technical proficiency. So there's one category in Y Scout data, which is basically short and medium passes. So this is how I identified Lagerbilko was a it, <laughs> we were in big trouble with him is as a signing potentially. Uh is that if players are not able to when you benchmark them relative to their peers and their league and their age group and all of that stuff, if if they aren't able to um, reliably be accurate in short and medium uh, uh, duration passes. That's a red flag to me. It doesn't mean that it's the end all be all, but it's a flag that says, okay, further inquiry. <laughs> and so there's that technical, you know, can they beat somebody in a dribble one V one? That's the kind of, you know, and what's their proficiency at doing that? Um, and then the other one, so that's the first one is that tech kind of flags for, technical proficiency the other one is what i call iq which is spatial intelligence but also speed of thought those have to go together and so we see that with palma you know i talked about him being a compiler when i benchmarked him i mean he puts up a lot of good stats in the past but it's because he just he's, he's he's like a you know as i was we called them when i was growing up ball hawks, right the the the, the, the the, the ball goes to somebody and then you know, you don't get it back. Like he's, he's either going to shoot or try to create something that may not be there. He's going to force it. Um, and, you know, so what I think we have is a confluence of both of those, which is we lack spatial intelligence and speed of thought and uh, technical proficiency within that. And I think scales is a good example of that. Um, where he's absolutely got certain attributes that are, that are positive, but relative to playing a center back position in a back four for Celtic in a Brendan Rodgers system, you know, when you add those attributes up, they just manifest in what we saw um, on Saturday. And, And the flip side of this, which, you know, I've kind of been harping on in recent weeks, is how the opposition sets up has a material impact on how these issues are either uh stress tested or not and uh, I'll, I'll use one a uh, i'll show us uh share a stat here so mcgregor um again you know i mentioned how mcgregor's looked dominant against st Marin because st miran had man marked him and made it easy for him well he received over 80 passes in that game and as as alan said I think Kilmarnock was basically set up in 4-4-2 defending, and then they were swapping their strikers to man mark. You could see them like they were communicating to pass McGregor back and forth. So whoever was going against our, you know, our fullback and/or center back to to put some pressure on the other striker would drop in and man mark McGregor. Uh his involvement, his passes received were almost cut in half versus the game in St. Mirren. So, you know what the opposition does and how that interplays with what our relative strengths and weaknesses are, have a huge impact. And that, that's where I've been concerned is that, um, you know, when op- oppositions are reasonably smart in certain ways, and I, again, we should have absolutely destroyed their man marking system to Alan's point. I mean, just go back and watch the game as Alan has the amount of space that was available centrally in our attacking third around their box was insane. Like we were dragging guys out of position and if guys made runs to dip into that space and the passes were made, then, you know, we we very easily could have carved them open. Um, but we didn't. And, and, And that's, so this comes back to, you know, what does your opponent do, how they set up, what are their relative strengths and weaknesses as a result? And are we equipped and able and willing, uh, to capitalize on those and that, that's why i was worried going to this game that the way we've been playing the way they've been playing that it was going to be a rough matchup um and unfortunately that turned out to be the case
2: alan has been bouncing up and down with his hand up so i'm going to bring him in on this. <laughs> i just
4: i I, 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 was not, I mean i
3: agree with what uh Enders uh, sorry what james is saying there but really, I think you know, if if we're focusing on McGregor and O'Reilly, I think we're we're focusing in the wrong places. So the, I, you know, I started off by criticising them in terms of um, the way that they, as the senior pros in the team, failed to manage or part of, failing to manage the last five five ten minutes of the game. But if you want to talk about progressing the ball, then you know, unfortunately, we have to come back to the, what we've talked about all season, which is the wing play um you know uh Palmer received in 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 a half had ten ten packing passes that he received, which is the second highest in the game. Kuhn had the highest packing score in the whole in the, of any player in the whole game at eighty three he had twelve passes it received um yang nine in 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 the in eight sorry in the in the time that he was on the pitch um Maida maybe we will come to, but those three the point being that those three in the time that were on the pitch had ample amounts of the ball. It was not a failure of the of Scales or Welsh. In fact, Welsh's passing was generally pretty good. It was not a failure of them to get the ball forward. It was a failure of what happens when the ball went to the wide players. That is the problem. That has been the problem all season, and it will continue to be the problem until we do um, what uh, James suggests, which is something very, very uh, radical. So, you know, the evidence and the data is that the ball was getting getting out wide pretty regularly, but then, you know, you've got Yang, uh, who didn't create a single scoring expected scoring contribution? Palmer actually was zero point five one, despite his almost unbelievably bad display. He still actually led the team in, in in expected scoring contribution at half time and at the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is remarkable. Um, and uh, and Kuhn had, had a 0.26 expected scoring contribution despite having, as I say, the highest packing score. So the highest packing score in relation to wingers often means that you're getting on the ball a lot. The question then is you should be racking up uh, you know, expected assists, expected goals from having shots, et cetera, et cetera. That simply isn't happening. And that, fundamentally, if you had to boil it down to what is the biggest issue, that is the single biggest issue.
2: Yeah, and I mean, look, I don't like judging players too harshly at all, but especially when I haven't seen we haven't seen all that much of him. But I mean, I, I can I can already tell that Kun's not going to make it at Celtic. I mean, it's it's blatantly obvious that he's not good enough to be at Celtic, and the fact that he has been brought in for a relatively, you know, relatively speaking, to what Celtic have been paying for players in the last ten years, relatively decent fee. I can already tell he's not going to make it to Celtic. It's it's completely obvious when he gets the ball. It's completely obvious in the decision-making that he does. There are options available to him at times, and he doesn't take the obvious options. The exact same with Yang at the minute, where I was screaming at the TV, pass the ball, use the simple pass, take the simple pass. But instead, he tries to dribble and do stepovers and flick it past people and, and just do things he doesn't seem to be capable of doing. Yang, you're almost willing to forgive in the slightest because he's still a young enough player and he's still a, inexperienced. And that can work at times. It's sometimes what you need when things become too stale. But when you're playing a team like Kilmarnock and you're leading the game 1-0 and you need another goal, the simple option is the, be- the best option most of the time. But I'm, I'm, one thing I want to question is the drop of the standard of wing play. So we understand that the wing play is bad, we understand that it's bad because of the players that we have playing in it. But why is it so much worse than it has been over the last two years? Because in reality of the reality of the situation is we've only lost Jota in the wingers. That's the that's the only player that we've lost in terms of wing play. We still have technically have a bad out now. We'll rule him out because he hasn't been available to us. But we still have Maida, we still have Kyogo up front. So the main like wing, the the main lineup in the front three under Ange over the two years. If I'm not sure if you average it out, but it, the majority of the time it was Maida, Jota, and Kyogo. So why are we so much worse in this one area than we were over the last number of years? Uh, Alan, I saw you sharing a video on Twitter that somebody had put together on the lack of uh, sort of routine, the lack of sh- uh, like predictable. Shapes that Celtic have been taken up. I think that's probably one of them for sure. Is that Anj Ball was so coordinated that you Celtic scored countless number of goals that you were like, I've seen that goal before. I've seen this goal before. I've seen this move before. The ones where it would go out to the wing winger, somebody would drop into the box. Aaron Moy would. Roll around the shoulder and arrive onto the ball and and score a goal from midfield. Those were very coordinated attacks that Celtic had, and they don't seem to have them anymore. So, like, is that the issue in the wing play, or is it talent efficiency, or both?
3: I think it's a lot. It's never it's never one thing, right? As I say, we've we've lost Jota, who you know it was highly talented. We've pretty much lost Abada all season. Who, similarly, was was whether you liked his style of play or not, was was a, a very efficient attacking machine in terms of his his productivity and numbers. So you've lost both of them for starters. Maeda, um, as I've said, is is not a winger. I mean, he was. It, it, you know, we use this sort of well worn cliche of being a player being so bad you were almost a man down. That that was almost literally true on 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 the weekend with Maeda. He had a minus packing score. He created absolutely nothing. I don't think he, he, he even passed the ball forward. Uh, it was just it was just an absolute ghost of a display. And he—and actually, despite his inscrutable demeanour and sort of hard man image, he seems like a, a totally confidence player. Um, you saw how um, positive and forward thinking he was when he came back from the World Cup. And we just haven't seen that version of Maida uh, since. Um so you know, and and, and that's pretty really the Maida that we've seen most of the season. Um, and as for the other other three, I mean, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going. I kind of disagree with the young Kuhn. I'm not going to write the guy off yet after t- t- 30, 40 odd minutes of trying to save games at the end type of thing. But um, you know, yeah, as I say, he actually posted pretty good numbers. And I know his decision making was terrible and his execution was terrible in the last in the last 15 minutes or so. Um, but again, you know, look. look what what I will say is, we do there seem to be a propensity in the modern game to have players like Yang and Kuhn and Palmer who are, as James says, volume guys, guys that just post a lot of efforts. They're not necessarily the average xG of the shot and the average xA of the assists is generally quite low. But there's a lot of them, um, and this seems to be kind of modern trend and and what have you. I'm not, not I'm not necessarily keen of it. I mean, you know, a James Forrest type winger who's who looks after the ball um will create and will score but he he makes good decisions sometimes he looks a bit safe but you know we we lack that sort of play in terms of the 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 wing play i would say but but also you know having said all of that there is hope because i mean if you look at the fact that for example you know rabbi matondo is contributing effectively to the rangers at the moment uh, now he's one of the worst decision makers I've ever seen on a football pitch, and therefore there is hope. Uh, and that, and this comes back to, you know, is Rodgers making the best of what he has, and and you know, l- recognizing the skill sets of the players that he has, is he getting the best out of them? Um, and, and, that, and and I don't think I don't think that we are. Uh, I completely you know sympathize with the general lack of quality in the team, and especially in the wide areas. But then you think, right, if I'm going to play. And we're going to commit to playing this 4-3-3 then how do i get the best out of these guys is it a case of you you support them like ange did where you had a full back and a and a number 8 you had you had you in little back, little groups of three almost uh, when the ball was in the wide areas rather than just leaving them to it and hoping that something will come of it maybe you know it was one extreme or the other but somewhere in the middle maybe is how do i get the best out of these how do i get the best out of these guys because at the moment we're not and you know the players aren't going to change the manager's been here for you know however many months it is eight eight nine months. He's seen these players. he knows what their limitations are. Why are we not why are we not at least setting up to get the most effective use out of the players that we've got?
2: yeah, and I mean, like people called me a board apologist for criticizing Rogers a couple of months ago, but I mean like at, at the end of the day, it's always been a case where the book stops at the manager and whether or not we like it the board is what the board is the manager can change quite quickly and we've seen that with Ange we've seen per we've seen the the per level of some of the the signings manifest itself under Rodgers
5: Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
2: Whereby Ange was able to get the best out of them, regardless of their weaknesses. So this is where the sort of... You question whether it's the the players on the pitch or whether it's the manager. It's probably both at the end of the day, James. But the best managers get the best out of the quality of players that they have. And I don't believe that the quality of players that Celtic have at the minute are as bad as they were against Kilmarnock this weekend. And and have been in multiple games where they've been leading and lost or coughed up the, the win.
4: As, as Alan says, I mean, it, it's a confluence of many things. But as I said last week, one, one of my concerns specifically when it comes to Rogers is the risks of, so again, I'm going to sound like a pop psychologist here, but it is an area I've spent some time and had some personal experience with, regrettably at, at points in my life, is um, you know when, when you have a very specific way of viewing the world in and particularly in in one's uh professional domain so rogers is a manager he's had some success even recently when people kind of test him in the media like you'll hear his ego come out which is you know i've had to fight for you know all very normal human type of stuff and most of it's you know probably true but that's that's how he sees himself that's kind of i forget if you know freud whether it's id or ego that kind of stuff i'm not an actual psychologist but um but once you've anchored your view on something to get outside of your comfort level is very difficult, and what happens is psychologically. Uh, and we saw this with Lennon in 2020. He, I, I, at the time, I thought it was actually courageous of him to finally make the switch in December to go four-four-two diamond, drop Brown, go with Soro, who we all know was a very flawed footballer, <laughs> uh, very you know significant issues. And then when we lost the Derby uh and and i tweeted about this this week in a game we effectively dominated i mean if you just look at kind of the the way the game unfolded we dominated when it was 11 v 11 and they their goal was on an own goal from cal mcgregor uh and baton was set off on a red card from the point that he switched that setup and 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 um personnel to that game, we were a relatively dominant side that you would have expected given the talent level that we had, even with all the flaws that we had of a a, a goalkeeper that was not a good shot stopper, uh, uh, Shane Duffy playing a high line as a center, center back, a ball playing center back, all that context, we were dominant. And then we lost the Derby and he goes right back to his comfort zone. Right, and then and you get we got stress tested with the Dubai debacle and all this other stuff, and then you spiral because you confirm your priors. You go right into confirmation bias, Um, and and it's called dissonance. You get dissonance triggered. So my concern, you know, I said was that Rogers' his impulse was to confirm his priors. So we didn't try anything actually different. We doubled down on width despite all the things that we've been talking about all season about, we have no functional wingers (laughs) that are, that can play the style the way he wants. Um, and his solution was to play Kyogo as a 10 and kind of double down on width. And that didn't really go that well against St. Mirren that, that was, I think Alan and mine's assessment of it. Uh, that one of the big issues was that St. Mirren set up in a way that made it relatively easy for us. Even within that context, we didn't do that well. And then that's what he fell back to again for this game against Kilmarnik. Um, So at some point, you know, I, I never lose hope on people, but at some point, you either descend into this dissonance fueled confirmation bias where. You know, it, it, it literally is like a person's brain breaking in severe instances where you, you you don't, you know, there are people, a lot of people in the world that still literally think that Donald Trump is a secret Russian agent, right? Because the 2016 election in the United States was like a cognitive dissonance cluster bomb, right? People just did not conceptualize how Donald Trump, the scumbag that he is, could be elected president, especially when they were hearing Hillary Clinton was 97% likely to win all that kind of stuff. Donald Trump wins. And it literally broke a lot of people's brains and, and, uh, they've had their biases confirmed ever since in a lot of different ways. So that's how like crazy our brains operate uh, or can operate, um, when, when some of these things happen. And that's, I, I, I still hope that he'll switch and, and do something different, um, But that's not easy. And even if he does, if it doesn't work out like immediately, the impulse, the natural human impulse, is going to be to fall back on your priors. Um, And what is his priors? Well, it's a way of playing that is wholly ill-suited for the players that are at his disposal to a degree with which it's making us look like we're not that far off of Komarnik from Mm -hmm. a a competitive standpoint. And to me, that's the gravity... Of, of the situation
2: we did ask some of the huddle breaker huddle breakdown listeners for their comments and and what they thought went wrong i'll get to them in one sec but alan one final point on the midfield is it's it's an interesting one at the start of the season and uh well really throughout the season matt o'reilly has been arriving late to score goals and um, scoring loads of goals from the midfield setting up goals from the midfield it's 7 games now since Matt O'Reilly has scored a goal for celtic so why is that why is it that that no longer seems to be something that celtic are using or you know they are getting some success from do you think
3: so when you're going to play a 4231 then obviously that box area is a little bit more congested because you've got an extra an extra forward uh, so that's probably going to have some impact in terms of um you know, is he taking up? He's not going to take up the same same space as Ida. He's not going to take up the uh, same space um, as 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 Kyogo. Um, you know, the 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 only bright shining light of the season has been the interplay between Kyogo and O'Reilly. I mean, they're probably the two most technical players on the team, and they um, they they're the ones who seem to create you know the, the most between themselves. Um, th- through the centre, of course, not not through the wings. Um, so you are now then effectively moving them one back from the goal, which is uh, kind of counterintuitive to me as well. Um, you know, it's just it's just madness to me that you know you've got Kyogo and you don't actually build a team really to to help service him primarily. I mean, that's just to me that's just, that's just really silly. Um, but in terms of you know O'Reilly, I don't know I don't, is the answer. I am um, just quickly looking as as we were talking there. Um, he's not particularly um, getting into the box, having having any less touches in the box. I mean, there was a period in sort of November uh, through to the uh, end of end of December where he was kind of averaging about seven uh, touches in the box. And that's gone down to about just under under five. So there has been a slight drop off. But I think I would say there's probably been a drop off in general in his play, and some of that could be, uh, as I say, just the fact that. He's playing 90 minutes every single game. And there's just an over-reliance. I mean, when you have a system like Angie's where um, it is system over individual, really, um, and therefore Hatati has a great game one week or McGregor has a great game another week or Abad has a great... You don't necessarily notice if O'Reilly's a bit quiet. But when it's all on you uh, because of the, the quality deficit in other areas, then you do notice... If that player isn't performing, so I would really probably, I'd probably put it down to that. But um, you know, to, to, to echo James's point um, about Rogers, when when we had Dominic Wells on the Leicester analyst at the beginning of the season, I was really enthused about we're going to get a problem-solving Rogers, we're going to get a flexible Rodgers that was going to you know have different tools in his box tactically to um, you know address different problems, and I don't think we've seen that, uh, and that's really disappointing. <laughs> yeah and the fact that i'm it's
2: it's it's not quite history repeating itself but it doesn't help that when rodgers left celtic the first time we had entered a state of getting the ball to the opposition box and playing in that horrible semi circle of recycling the ball and it ended up back with the defenders and it seems like that's happening again. If we even get it up that far, um, that's certainly not helping his case.
3: So, so I disagree on that, right? I mean, that's the trope that a lot of supporters lay, um, and, and then you, you get this stuff about it being slow and ponderous. Now, I think it's it's a it's a general uh, trope that's laid. En masse as a blanket across the whole team. I think we've got a specific issue in that the central defenders don't move the ball quick enough. However, in terms of in other aspects of play, we're attempting far more through balls. So that's early passes, especially from deep to try and catch uh, the, the faster players that we have up front, get them on the ball earlier and and we're trying an awful lot more longer balls, these two things go hand, kind of hand-in-hand hand a little bit, but specifically through balls, which we're trying to capture as a specific, as opposed to a long ball, we're trying both. So this, this completely, to me, destroys the notion about slow and ponderous, because we're actually trying to be more direct and move the ball forward quicker on many occasions. We, but we simply just, you know, that, that's a hard thing to do, and it's a very difficult thing to do well. And, and you know, these, these sort of passes don't connect that often. But it, but it, but 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 the data is very clear. We are trying to do that, uh, whether whether you agree with that or not. But it, but the issue of slow and ponderous is, is a very specific one, uh, to the center to the center back area.
4: Well, and I'll I pulled up a a comparison on O'Reilly. So I, I basically did um, season up until the Derby on the second, and then effectively, I guess it's what four league games since, and. Um, I mean, it's clear what the cost has been of dropping him deeper, as Alan said. He he basically has zero uh, key passes or uh, expected assists from open play over those four games. And his XG is actually similar, but his average chance quality is down, which again, if, you, if you're playing deeper, usually the deeper, you know, kind of uh, number six, quote unquote midfielders they'll have an an average lower xg per shot because they're usually shooting from further you know further distance um and and you know it's it's four games i mean for goodness sakes it's it's not any kind of sample but his his finishing has been not good so he's not scored (laughs) because his finishing's been off and the average chance of quality is not great and he's not in a position like his is what they call deep progressions because again he's falling back along with McGregor at times now. Um he's in that ball progression role more so than he is in the kind of the final third role, which, you know, that's what the the plan has been is to use the two strikers and Kyoko in this 10 role. This goes back to what um you know Al and I have been harping on about for weeks now with with the wing play is that that's you're just creating a different set of problems by making the switch. I think in, in still sticking with this kind of focus on width and um, you know, the, the core problem is we do not have the players wide to do this, either the fullback or the wing position. And so persisting with it, I think I'm just going to add, uh, sorry. Yeah. You're just changing the nature of where the problems reside rather than addressing the core problem. Yeah. And, and again, that that's why I use the analogy back to 2020, is that the core problem was that we had an old midfielder being empowered to be the primary agent of transition extinguishing. <laughs> and, and that's a bad idea. And it caused all kinds of repercussions uh, in a dynamic kind of system. And right now, the dynamic system is supposed to be wings doing Creative stuff, and they are horribly ineffective at doing that.
3: Yeah. Uh, also, I would also echo that. But what you said, James, about the specific problems that teams provide in the in the two defeats and the draw to Kilmarnock, uh, those three matches, O'Reilly's created one chance with an xG 0. 07. zero seven. Yeah, one chance. Yeah. So, and, and know, that that speaks so, to out. What, the, the, what are his?
4: Rel- what are his relative weaknesses? It's the same thing that Rangers were effective at, at basically putting Bassey on Rogic. Remember yeah. that? I mean, it's, you know, when you've got a, a player whose, um, athleticism is not, you know, quickness and speed is not their strength. You know, you can have a vastly inferior player, take them out of the game to a, a significant degree just by, you know, knowing what, what flavour of gum they chew by the end of the game, as we say in America.
3: Yeah, yeah. But but again, this the point, I guess the deeper point I'm echoing of yours is that this is just, this layers risk upon risk. If you know that you're going to play a man-marking team, and O'Reilly is, is you're utterly reliant on him almost to be the only player capable of providing Kyogo with a goal-scoring chance. And you, you, you can see from the data that he doesn't respond well to being man-marked and then you've got a deficit elsewhere, who's going to create the chances for Kyogo, right? This yep. And this is all layered up. Now, if you had Jota or Moy or Abada or Hitati even, you know, you wouldn't be so worried, would you? And then in that case, you would say to O'Reilly, okay, you might actually make it get to make a lot of dummy runs, as in just take, exactly. take a player out of the way, make space for someone else. Don't need you to get on the ball today, Matt. Not worried if you don't. Just, just basically to, to open space up for others, right? But you can't do that because we're so reliant on getting the ball to him now in the final third.
2: Yeah. And again, this comes back to something that I was trying to say last week in that we don't have enough critical thinkers within the side that can see that Matt O'Reilly is being... Because this is what I, I don't believe that it completely... Uh, you completely have to follow what the manager is saying. If you can see something better on the pitch, you need to be able to game manage yourself. It can't be a situation... And this is one of the flaws with uh, sort of the Ange-type managers, Red Bull managers, where you often see they go to a different club or players who played within these systems go to different clubs and they don't know how to manage chaos. They only know how to play in a managed system. Celtic don't have any players outside of the core members of the group that are willing to see well, Matt O'Reilly's being marked here. He's been man-marked. Everywhere he goes, a player, a Kilmarnock player goes. So inevitably there's going to be space. So I will fill that space and I'll be an option. And this is how you get out of press is very easy. Filling space, being available on the to take the ball and progress the ball. Whereas, yeah, I, I just don't see that within the Celtic squad. It, James, can you do a little bit of work while I run through the comments coming through from the Huddle Breakdown uh, listeners on Twitter? Mm-hmm. Um. So you mentioned about Matt O'Reilly's switch after he moved deeper. Can you do the same with Kyogo and see what his numbers are doing? Because he's essentially filling the same role as Matt O'Reilly was before he moved into the number 10 position. Um, So on Twitter, Martin says that uh, the reason the Celtic lost is Scales is unable to play square passes in front of teammates. Hart is unsettling the crowd. Team played with the most stupid punch of the ball at the start of the second half. The captain visibly rattled in the first 15 minutes and stopped taking the ball to change direction of play. Uh, quite harsh there. Drock 40 says the Scales has no vision to play the forward pass. Calmack too busy telling other midfielders how to play. He has no time to play his own games or wingers c- couldn't cross the road and the overall negativity backward play isn't helping. And... Um, Alan McLaren says that Brendan Rodgers the Lowells and the absolutely rotten recruitment and players who'd struggled to hold down a first team position at Ross County was the issue Uh, Brendan says the Kilmarnock um, the players had an inability to understand and deploy instructions and normally you get noises of player descent and losing the dressing rooms at these times even if it's reactionary these players aren't volatile enough to be uh, but quite good at pointing and gesticulating and uh, so on and so forth. Thoughts of people not happy with the performance for a num a new num- a numerous amount of reasons. So, uh, was that enough time, James, for you to?
4: It, w- it was. So basically, and again, this goes back to um, as Alan um, calls it, total scoring contribution. So, um you know, K- Kyogo's attacking output, as we've talked about, has been down this season generally, but it's been mostly due to quality chances. Uh, Degrading as opposed to volume. So he's still been getting about roughly the same amount of shots, but the average quality's been been lower than you know those wonderful tap ins on low crosses that he had in Angeball. Um, but he was he was around, let's say, 0.55, 0.54 in XG, and he was creating about, you know, quote unquote creating, he had about 0.11 in in expected uh, assists. So total scoring contribution of uh, of, of Uh, 0.65 let's call it um over this little stretch that's down to 0.19 so Um, he's down as well he's he's right yeah he's he's down and not only is he down the average quality is down huge so you're not only getting volume down you're getting quality down and again this is where i go back to the concern over impulse and i mentioned it last week that you know Usual caveat about not sure about the data quality, but out of something like 12,000 hours in Y-Scout, he had played 400 minutes as an attacking number 10 midfielder. So this, this is not a role that he has played with any kind of significance. So is it crazy that maybe it's not working out that well <laughs> within the context that we have no productive wingers? You know, is is he the guy that's going to drop and create? Um, it's possible like a, so far, the evidence is suggests maybe not, Um, you know, so that that's inherently, in, you know, we know he um, you know, limitations, let's call it. I mean, he's clearly showing qualities that are potentially productive. But again, if it's a hold up striker, then you've got to have runners off of them and you've got to have like central dynamic runners. Um, yeah. And we, as Alan Ida's, said, when Ida's, we did, when, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, sorry James.
3: When I, I was going to say Ida, Ida's, sorry. Um, if you take away the two penalties, right? So non-penalty XG and and creativity he's uh, about two thirds of Kyogo's value when Kyogo was striking. And Kyogo's right. values are way down on previous seasons Read. he, so, so, so it, it's, it's, it's not an effective change. <laughs> it's not an effective
4: change. Right. And that, this is when I talk about the, the, you know, again, sounds like pop psychiatry, but um when when you stack risks as we've been talking about when they start to cascade um that triggers either okay i need to make a a shift this way or that way and the vast majority of human beings will go towards what is comfortable for them um because we don't like challenging our self identity uh and that's unfortunately and this is this was my concern you know, if you go back to when I was on Celtic Underground in July of 2020, you know, it, you know, and people understandably um, label me as a spreadsheet shagger. But uh, the core of the vast majority of what I talked about on that was the the primary risk to the season was actually human. It was, you know, if we didn't qualify for Champions League, the potential for players reasonably wanting to go, Edward wanting to leave. Uh, And the ability of Neil Lennon, and the risk of Neil Lennon having a certain kind of self-image anchoring with Scott Brown, and being way too late in addressing that problem, Um, and the potential for dissonance and and confirmation bias, and that's that's been my 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 concern with the Rogers. The setup was similar, not very different in details, but from a just a basic human level. see kind of the same risks uh you know stacking of risks and a person whose self-identity is at risk of being threatened as those risks manifest and so far he's been going down the path that we kind of feared that he would
2: yeah and that's why i find his post-match comments so bizarre in the sense of he's saying that he's not surprised Like, why are you not surprised then? I mean, if you're not surprised by it, you're doing something wrong. If if this problem has been repeating itself multiple, multiple times to the point of you are not surprised that your team has yet again coughed up a win, why the hell are you not surprised? Because that means you're not doing anything different. So that, that... it I was it was so bizarre that he came out with that comment. Especially like I've I've actually been quite impressed with the way that he's reacted in previous weeks to results like this. That one to me was like bang my head against the wall. That the manager of Celtic is not surprised that his team has once again uh, given mm-hmm. up a result. Uh, it's it, it was it it really Derek is. McKinney, Derek
3: McKinnis. Derek McKinnis wasn't surprised. And, exactly. And yeah. Yeah. So, so, if Derek <laughs> McKinnis isn't right. surprised then Rogers isn't doing his job properly. Yeah. Because it's yeah, because he's, too. yeah.
4: Well, well like, this is what I, when I say, the, the potential power, when this happens to people cognitively, and again, I went through this professionally at one point, and then retrospectively, you're like, how could I have not seen what was obvious to almost everybody, including people around me that were telling me, look, dummy, this is obvious. How can you not see this? And the way our brains work is that when it's broken this way you can't see it because doing so is too painful because you're dealing with your own identity and that's you know so he might be seeing it in kind of a certain way but in order to address it is so painful being being effective and 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 making the switch in a way, and it's I think partly what Lennon went through in 2020 when he did finally make that switch. It was probably painful for him to to, to see even the success happen, uh, relative success, and then you just want to go right back to what makes you feel comfortable. Um, so this is why I'm so concerned about even if he does, as you know, as Alan and I have been saying, maybe try something with narrow. <sighs> you know, it, it's not going to be a magic bullet. We, we don't have <laughs> the people, the players to for anything to be a magic bullet. We're talking, you know, as we say, it's about margins and, and, um, probabilities. Um, so to be able to, to make a switch and commit to it given good and bad is extremely difficult in these kind of circumstances and sometimes unrealistic. I mean, that's why I'm, that's why I said, You know, three weeks ago when we had a three point lead in the league, that I thought that, you know, Rangers, I said coin flip, but I also said that Rangers were value for money based off of what the odds were, meaning that, you know, uh, even with the deficit at that point, I thought they were, you know, and because of these and and, uh, issues and the kind of the confirmation of that was when he went the route he did against St. Marin. That to me, that was like, okay this is now not only a setup it's actually starting to manifest um yeah there, well,
3: but there 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 in lies the the hope and, the, and the, let's say if we're going to end as sure on a positive is that uh, a a week is an incredibly long time in football uh and rogers has got a week on the training pitch and b you actually you do only have to look across the city to see if you have a level of competence applied to a group of players, however dysfunctional, you know, Cyril Dessus still needs 10 chances to score one goal. Rabi Mutondo is still a terrible decision maker. Todd Cantwell will only play for himself. John Lindstrom will play depending on what mood he's in. None of the you know, Goldson is getting older and slower. Tavernier still can't defend. None of these problems have gone away. None of these problems have changed for them. But 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 what, what, what Clement has done is and he's a competent manager, is he's he's made them, he's actually simplified their game um and, 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 and taken away a lot of the uncomplexity and uncertainty. It can be done. This same group of Celtic players are no worse. At least no worse. Than those across the city. Therefore, all it takes is for something competent, cohesive, uh, that fits the 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 players that we actually have, um, uh, and 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 given the level of opposition that we're going to be playing most weeks, you know, Celtic can get back on track with us.
2: Yeah, well, you, you sort of took the the words out of my mouth there. I was just going to say it slightly differently in that, like, Celtic have been bad, right, really bad across the season. But there's they've still been like six points clear up until the end of February playing the way that they're playing. So they only need to be marginally better than what they are. So if that means going narrow and accepting deficiencies in other areas to be marginally better than what we are so that we don't start coughing up draws when we should have been winning and losses where we should have been winning... That's all Celtic need to be do- doing and they just need to beat Rangers again or not lose to Rangers again and that's where we eventually get over the line as opposed to completely unravelling now until the end of the season and it being another COVID situation where it just goes to absolute shit. So th- that's that's sort of where Celtic are at at the minute. It's a real crossroads now for Brendan Rodgers and his team, whether or not how they react to it, how they change to it and whether or not it completely unravels in the way that it did under Neil Lennon or they bounce back and they just do things slightly better than what they're doing to stay in it and stay in it until the derby and then get over the line at the derby because really that's what's going to decide the league this year. Um that's where we will park the podcast for this week or I don't know if we're doing a podcast later on this week. Potentially,
4: we, maybe we got to talk about maybe. Motherwell. I mean, come on, yeah. we got a big game against Motherwell coming up.
2: Yeah, so we we actually we don't have time to to look ahead to that game, but um, we might react to that game, um, or no, we might have time to look ahead to that game at some point. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. sorry, yeah. maybe later in the week. Yeah, yeah.
2: Scr- scratch that, scratch that, scratch that. Uh, fair play to Michael B- Michael Bill as well, doing an excellent job uh, <laughs> once again uh, further down in in the in the UK. So. Uh, a really big shout out to him um, for his his excellent work uh, keeping us all entertained over the last well, year.
4: I, I have a suggestion. Maybe we should replace Mark Lawwell with Michael Beale, because Beal's <laughs> Beal's uh, talent identification over the summer is not great as it was. Was probably better than Mark Lawwell's.
2: No, so. yeah, well that's that, that's a that's a, a fair point worth arguing. Michael uh, Beale
4: for director of football.
2: Yeah, you heard it here first. I'll, <laughs> I'll put that out as a headline um, for the podcast yeah. this week. People, people really love that. Right. We shall chat to you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll chat to you then. Good luck.